Welcome to CVM Stories, the podcast on customer value management. Together, we explore how companies can be more successful and the customers happier through the use of latest customer value management techniques. Learn key commercial and analytical insights from telecoms, retail, finance, and other industries that drive CVM forward. What land-based businesses can learn from us who live with our customers and that we live with our coworkers. It's a very interesting question, is the customer always right? And I have uh, an answer with a few exceptions. CVM Stories is produced by Exacaster. We help companies take their customer value management to the next level. To stay updated on our latest episodes, subscribe to the podcast or sign up for an email newsletter at exacaster.com slash CVM Stories. So, hi, Paul. Uh, thank you uh, for joining us. It's uh, really good to see you here. Thank you so much, Idris. I appreciate it. <laughs> so uh, today I'm, I am really excited uh, for having you here. I know that we are going to, de- uh, to dive really deep into customer experience topics, customer service topics, like uh, crisis communication, loyalty, and more. But <laughs> before we go there, uh, Paul, could you brief us a bit how did you end up in the uh, hospitality industry? Uh, I know that you are like 40 years in that industry, super deep in. So could you tell uh, your story? Sure, absolutely. Well, I come to you from the hospitality industry, from the travel industry, but more specifically the cruise industry. I've been working on board cruise ships for uh, over uh, oof, 40 years, which is it goes in the blink of an eye, doesn't it? Life uh, time goes very quickly, uh, and I, I I didn't really set off to get into the hospitality or even the travel industry. I was growing up in Connecticut in the United States, and I happened to take my dog for a walk. I grew up across the street from the high school that I went to, and I would always take my dog across the street uh, to the big open spaces and let my beautiful German Shepherd run wild. Uh, and one day after college, I just graduated college and I, I was taking my dog for a walk and I ran into the principal of the high school and we were just chit-chatting a little bit. Uh, he knew I had just graduated, asked me what I was going to do. I was going to take a year off. And he just looked at me and said, how would you like to work on a cruise ship? And, and I, I thought he was joking. I actually looked around to see, is he talking to me? A cruise ship? I've never heard of a cruise ship. This was way back in the, before you were born when cruise ships weren't that big. Love Boat was not even on the air yet. And so he knew somebody who knew somebody, and I ended up working in the casino. They This company had started putting a few slot machines on cruise ships, and they needed people to make change or to fix the slot machines. And this was when casinos were first big, first started getting big on cruise ships. And if I hadn't taken my dog for a walk at that particular time, at that particular day, I, I wouldn't be talking to you now. I wouldn't have traveled, you know, halfway around the world, uh, all because I took my dog for a walk. And so uh, I'm glad my dog needed some exercise because uh, my whole world changed because my dog went for a walk that day. Did you give some bonus for your dog? You know, it's like for, for this should've. good walk. Oh, I should have bought her a box of, <laughs> her a box of treats. Absolutely. 
Uh, okay, th- this is kind of a, a super unexpected uh, uh, beginning. I haven't heard such a story, you know. But uh, how, uh, like, you know, forty years—it's—it's—it's it's, it's a huge period of time, you know. It's like uh, uh, I am a bit younger. I'm like thirty-eight uh, almost. <laughs> so you 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 work in the industry more time yeah, yeah, than I yes. uh, that I'm here, you know. So so what? does keep you there you know what does motivate you to stay there well it's funny because when i first interviewed with the gentleman who hired me he said i only need you for three months just stay for three months and if you don't like it then let me know and i'll replace you and three months has turned into 40 years and what i like about it is first of all the traveling you get paid to travel around the world i was in Connecticut, which was just coming into the winter time, it gets very cold. For your listeners who don't know, Connecticut's uh, in between New York and Boston on the East Coast of the United States. It gets very cold in the winter there. So the fact that they wanted to fly me to the Caribbean and to Florida to, to nice warm weather was such a, a nice invitation. And then, uh, and, and then I just really like the lifestyle. Um, uh, cruise ships are very structured. You know, things start on time and meals start on time if people have paid a lot of money for their vacation. And I really just enjoyed the structure of the job, which was very good for me and my personality. And I met some incredible people. I was traveling around the world. They offered me to go to uh, Europe for, for a while. And, you know, I had never been to Europe before. So it, it really just all fell into place. And so I really enjoyed the structure of a cruise ship. You know where you're going to be. You know when your opening hours are. You know when you know when the meals are going to be. So for me, it was very structured, and it really fit my personality. And, and I just enjoyed meeting all the people. That's the great thing about working on cruise ships, meeting people from all over the world. And, and that, that's really the, the big bonus about working on board. So, Paul, seems that you are kind of li- living a dream, you know. What, what do you do with your holiday time, you know? <laughs> a lot of people think that. It is work. It is work, but uh, a lot of people do think that. But, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I have to be honest. It, it's a very unique opportunity I've had. And, and I'm very blessed and I'm very grateful for that opportunity. Let's try to uh, dive a bit uh, into uh, customer experience and loyalty topics, okay? So I I come from the telco industry, you know? So telcos have a lot of clients. We talk about like hundreds of thousands, millions of clients. And I I am coming from a customer value management part, which is like we are sending messages to our clients we're trying to upsell them etc we talk about a lot about customer experience uh, how uh, how to create a good experience for the customers but our context you know for us the customer is a record in, in an excel sp- spreadsheet you know <laughs> We don't right. see that customer. We only send them messages. We try to send, uh, sell them something, you know. Could you describe the context that you are coming from? From that, Absolutely. Uh, and, it, it, and it's totally opposite of what you just described because we are actually living with our customers on board our ships. We live with them 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so whenever I talk to businesses on land, my first question is always going to be, what if you had to live with your customers? 
could you or your company survive if you had to live with your customers? And, you know, when I ask most people on land, they think, well, it would probably be, you know, just a little bit of time before violence got in, was involved. And, you know, they said there's no way that they would be able to live with their customers. And that's what we do every day. So we have to make sure that we have policies and procedures and principles in place in order to handle all sorts of, uh, of uh, different situations. So, for instance, some of the largest cruise ships in the world, they have over 6,000 guests on board, along with over 2,000 crew members. That's over 8,000 people in a big metal ship in the middle of the ocean. What could possibly go wrong? And pretty much everything can go wrong. The same things that happen on land can happen on a ship. We're a small city in the middle of the ocean, and we have to be prepared for anything that could possibly go wrong. So if somebody with a broken toilet uh, comes to us, we have to fix that. We can't say, oh, we'll send somebody tomorrow. It doesn't work that way. We have to send somebody within 30 minutes. The same thing with if their air conditioning doesn't work or if, or if their cabin key doesn't work. We have to have policies, procedures, and really principles in place uh, in order to uh, in order to create an exceptional experience, and and that's our main goal on board our ships, is to create an exceptional experience that exceeds expectations, so that when they're ready to book another cruise, they're going to remember all the wonderful memories from us. I always tell people, we're not in the travel industry, we're not in the cruise industry. We're in the memory-making industry. We create memories. And because when people think about their next vacation, we want them to think of the wonderful memories. It's an emotional thing to book a vacation and to buy something that's you know quite expensive. And so we create memories and we want those memories to be wonderful. And we want people to book their next cruise before their current cruise is over. That's our goal. We've created such an incredible experience that they don't want to even think about going to the competition. They want to stay with us because they know that if they're with our cruise line, they're going to get the same wonderful experience. No matter where they are in the world, uh, it doesn't matter what ship they go on, they're still going to get a great experience. And so that's our main goal, which should be the goal of all of your listeners is to create such an exceptional experience that exceeds expectations that your customers, even if you raise your prices, they, they will not think about leaving you because they know they're going to get a wonderful experience. Uh, everything what you are talking, uh, Paul, uh, it's, uh, I think it's true. <laughs> But I was, uh, I was uh, actually reflecting on your phrase, like, imagine if you would have to live with your customers, you know? <laughs> And I, I cannot imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Most... Most people can't. And, it, and if I can just add one thing to that, you also have to live with your coworkers. So the person that you just worked side by side with for eight hours a day, they could be your roommate. And so how do, create, how do we create an atmosphere on board? How do we keep our crew members engaged? How do we, uh, you know, employee engagement is such a big topic now. How do we keep them engaged? so that they wake up every morning with a big smile on their face. And they want, you know, as soon as they walk out of their cabin door, they're on duty. They're going to run into customers. They're going to run into guests. And so how do we keep our crew members engaged? And we have crew members from close to 70 different countries on board our ship. So, you know, if you have people from 
India and Indonesia and China uh, and the United States, United States really are the minority on board, Canada, South Africa. How do you keep them all engaged so that they're willing to do a, a, a tremendous job and create that exceptional experience? And that's also very big as employee engagement. So, so what, what I'm trying kind of to go very deep into that uh, simple sen sentence, yeah, like live with co-workers, live with, uh, with your customers. And what I'm trying to understand is that probably in your case, you get 10 times more challenges compared to regular products. Yeah, like, because if customer comes to us, like the service is not working, you know, we are dealing with the service problem. But, but when you live together, <laughs> you also uh, probably get uh, challenges, not only related to your product, but with the customer's life. <laughs> You know, probably uh, you, you you get way more challenges. Could could you share some I don't know uh, stories uh, where you actually have to deal not only with your product but with the context or with the uh, with the customer um, customer's life or with other I don't know companies uh, how they impact you. You know. Sure. Well. Our industry is unique in that uh, we have to deal, as you mentioned, with many types of, uh, of problems. So, for instance, weather is a big problem. We could have a, a, a wonderful sunny day, but if the swells are too big or if the wind is too strong, the captain cannot dock in a particular port of call. Uh, or if a rain, you know, we have hurricane season here. We're just ending hurricane season here over in this part of the world, it goes from June 1st to December 1st. And so what happens if a hurricane is approaching? You know, we have a week's notice. Well, a ship is not going to go where a hurricane goes. We're going to be chicken. We're going to run and go the other way. There's no way that we're going to put our passengers through a hurricane. Now, the ship could the ship could get through it, but the passengers and the guests could not. They would have a very bad time and they would not be thankful that they were with us if we actually went through a hurricane. That's happened a few times. And we've seen, you know, films on YouTube and, and all sorts of crazy stories that happen when the, the captain has no other choice but to go through the hurricane. Uh, and that happens. But sometimes I'll get a call as the cruise director. I'm in charge of activities and entertainment on board. And so sometimes I'll get a call at, you know, six in the morning, five in the morning from the captain or the hotel director who says, sorry, we're not going to make it today. You have to have an emergency sea day. This is something we were planning on being in port. Most of the time, all the guests go ashore. Yes, we have some people who stay on board. But in the blink of an eye, I have to get my entire team up. I'm now calling my team at six in the morning. Emergency sea day. Instead of going to, you know, let's, as an example, St. Thomas and the Virgin Islands, a beautiful port of call where people really want to go. They're very disappointed now. So we have to deal, first of all, with the disappointment that they're not going to the port that they signed up for, that they paid for, that they'd been looking forward to for months and months and months. They had, they'd been researching where they were going. And so uh, all of these disappointments we have to deal with. And then we have to put a program together. Then we have to schedule the trivias and the dance classes and the music sets and and our people, uh, our team members who thought they were going to have a nice, easy day and go to the beach in St. Thomas, 
they now have to go into emergency, you know, C-Day mode that we call it. Now, we have an emergency C-Day schedule already done. We don't wait until the last minute. We plan ahead. You know, you plan for the worst, you hope for the best, but you have that plan. And so, you know, just dealing with things like that, which happens more often than people think. And what's even worse is that if it's a really nice sunny day, and so people go outside and it's beautiful sunshine, but the captain says, well, the swells underneath are too heavy or the winds are too heavy, it's not safe. Even worse that people see a beautiful sunny day and they see that beach off in the distance, but we can't stop there because the winds are too strong or the swells are too strong. And so we have to deal with that disappointment and how do we win them back over the course of the remaining few days of the cruise? And that's what we have to do. And so that's dealing with guests who are right there in your face, who know, again, living with your customers, you have to see that disappointment on their face. And so that's uh, that's also a challenge as well. So you brought a really good example. So let's work on that, okay? <laughs> so okay. imagine. So a beautiful sunny day. Uh, your clients are expecting to go on shore. They m- might even have booked a crazy nice dinner with their friends <laughs> on that shore. <laughs> and uh, then uh, what happens, you know, uh, see, uh, uh, kind of an, uh, an unplanned sea day. And now uh, the customer is unhappy and he goes to customer service <laughs> and, and says, Hey, Paul, it's the worst service. Uh, do something. So what are their expectations? You know, when they come to you and they try to solve their problem. Yeah. So what customers expect from customer service, uh, actually? How do they expect that you will deal with that? Well, I think the first thing they need to expect is that somebody's going to listen to them that we're not just going to say, go away. People want to be heard. If they have a complaint, they want to make sure somebody hears it. But we also have to convince the guests that we're making this decision, not that we wanted to make this decision, but it's really in their best interest, that it's because of their safety, that the captain would never make such a momentous decision if he didn't have to make it, that their safety really was at risk. And Sometimes, I don't know if it was on your cruise from a while ago, uh, we use tenders, tender boats that sometimes ships don't dock. uh, They uh, they don't dock in port. They anchor because there's no docking facilities. And we bring people ashore by use of these small tender boats. Well, sometimes it's too rough for the boats to come up to the ship, even if it's a nice sunny day. So we have to be very empathetic. I think empathy is very important. You have to understand that these people are very disappointed. Some of these people have been have been waiting for this cruise for years, and especially with the pandemic, they may have booked it before the pandemic even came about. And then the pandemic happened, and their cruise was canceled, and it was put off, and it was put off. And so they've been waiting for this cruise for a long time, and we have to understand it and look at it from their point of view and sort of put our feet in their shoes and walk a mile in their shoes and understand that they are very disappointed. So listening is very important. Being empathetic is very important and really trying to convince the guests that the decision that was made was actually in their best interest because we in the past have gone through things like this and we don't want them to get hurt or to get injured or to ruin the rest of their cruise. 
And so we, um, in the old days, we would open up the bar and we, you know, we'd give them an hour of free drinks. And sometimes that worked and sometimes that backfired because now not only do we have disappointed people, but we have drunk disappointed people and that could be even <laughs> worse. So uh, we don't do that anymore. I don't know if, about every cruise line. Uh, uh, but, you know, you try to make it as, as wonderful as possible. We might do a special meal at lunch that everybody's going to be on board. Uh, but, but again, we have to put ourselves in their shoes and understand how disappointed they are. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so do I understand correctly that you, uh, you put a lot of emphasis on respect, uh, active listening of the customer and, uh, kind of uh, the uh, clear communication about uh, uh, what, what is the, the real uh, reaction. Why do you put so much emphasis on, on, let's say, the respect and active listening part? Because, again, I am coming from the telco industry. You know, I, I, uh, I understand that, pe that people have issues with their products etc but i really kind of first thing uh, that i am thinking about it is a transactional is issue resolution yeah but you uh, in many situations you emphasize a lot of customer respect listening somewhere you told that you well uh, listen no matter what if customer even says, uh, lies you know <laughs> <laughs> they will stop uh, somewhere. C could you go deeper there? Or, uh, why are you actually emphasizing this part uh, a lot? Well, I think it's important that uh, businesses know that customers can handle bad things. They just don't want to be lied to. They want to be told the truth. They want to be told things in a timely manner. So in the past, we're maybe uh, uh, things went wrong, a, a captain would not get on the PA system and, and let the customers know what's happening. If that happens, customers make up their own stories in their heads. You want to give them the truth, even if it's bad news. Customers can handle bad news as long as they know that you're not trying to uh, pull a fast one on them or lie to them or disrespect them. They'll handle bad news as long as they know you're being honest with them. And we found that out, that even if we misapport a call, as long as we tell them the truth and upfront and we let them know that's happening, then, then they can handle that. And it, so if you're shipping a product and your product is going to be two months late, you need to let your, your customers know that it's going to be two months late and you need to let them know as soon as possible so that they are not wondering. Because again, if they don't hear from you, they're going to be making up these stories in their own mind, and they always make up the worst possible scenario. They never think about the best thing that's happening. They always think, oh, they forgot about me, or they don't have my product, or it's lost, or why aren't they communicating? You know, if somebody sends you an email and it's not responded to, or if they leave a voice message and you don't uh, return their, their phone call, then that's where customers start to lose trust in you. And that's where they'll start to look for competition uh, to say, listen, I, 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 customers are great when everything goes right, but you really can tell the soul of a company when things go wrong and how they handle it and how they treat you. So customers just want to be told the truth. And that's why it's so important to respect them, 
respect their time, respect the fact that they've, you know, had to pay a lot of money to go on a vacation. And so that's why we feel the communication is so important along with respect, uh, uh, like you talked about. So, uh, okay. Uh, can we push it even further? <laughs> so the, let's the, try. <laughs> so, uh, okay. We, we were talking about the situation. Well, let's say you as a service provider kind of did some decision that impacted the customer. Um, but you know, uh, uh, there are various types of customers. And when they come to you, they might be, you know, uh, angry, uh, you know, lonely, hungry situation, you know. <laughs> and are they always right? You know, they come to, uh, to you and say, yeah, you have really bad, uh, you're providing really bad product. It's like everything is not working. It's like total mess, etc. cetera. Uh, 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 and you, you have to give us, I know, full... 100% discount on everything <laughs> because you are so bad. So uh, are the customers kind of always right, you know? Well, it's interesting you say that because we have some people who, you know, if they see a piece of dust in the corner, they say, oh, my cruise is ruined. I want a full refund. And, you know, we don't really go that far. So it's a very interesting question. Is the customer always right? And I have uh, an answer with a few exceptions. So Uh, in my world, no, the customer is not always right. But there's two exceptions. And one is the customer always thinks they're right. So as an example, a customer will come to the front desk and they'll say, well, my travel agent who booked this said that she sent us a bottle of wine to our cabin and, and we're supposed to get a $100 onboard credit. And that's a, our travel agent said we'd be getting that. But we on the ship have no record of that. Well, we're not just going to start handing out $100 and bottles of wines and, you know, things just because a guest says it. So we then have to go back and do some research. So the customer thinks they're always right. Uh, and the second exception is the customer is always the customer. So you have to walk a very fine line, even if you know that the customer is wrong And we go back and we check with that travel agent and says, listen, this customer is saying that you're giving them a $100 onboard credit and that you promised them a bottle of wine. The, the travel agent may say, I never said that. I don't know where they got that from. So now we're in the middle. The travel agent at his home, the customer is standing right in front of us. The travel agent says, no, we've never got that. And so now we have to go out of our way. So the customer was not right in that instance, but they're always the customer. We want them to come back to us. We want their next cruise to be with us. And so we may compromise on something and, uh, uh, you know, we say, well, we are sorry for the inconvenience. We can send you to a specialty restaurant, which doesn't really cost us that much money. Uh, but we, we apologize for the inconvenience, but we want to make it up to you by doing something, you know, that doesn't cost us as, as much money. Uh, and they're very happy with that. Usually they'll see that we're trying to work with them. We can let them know that their travel agent didn't, or maybe their travel agent will, you know, send them $50 as opposed to $100. But the customer is not always right, but they always think they're right. And they're always the customer. And so we always have to keep that in mind. You always want to walk away from any interaction as a win-win situation. 
You don't want to have a loser in those transactions because if the customer walks away a loser thinking that, oh, they don't care about me, then you're not going to get them back uh, in the future. And that's really the goal is, is, to, it is to cultivate loyal customers to think that uh, and to have them be your best ambassador, to be your best cheerleader, to be your best form of marketing. Oh, we had a problem, but they took care of it. Uh, they respected me. And so that's that's really the goal is to have a win-win situation. I, I'm taking uh, three insights here. <laughs> customer is not always right. Customer is always a customer and the customer is thinking that they are right. These are kind of uh, really, really interesting points of view. Now, the question is, how do you empower the team to work uh, among you know those three uh, points that customer is not always right, but they think they are right, <laughs> and we need to do uh, something about. And usually, you know, there is a front desk. <laughs> there is your team members <laughs> uh, who get yelled at. You know, uh, uh, so how do you empower your team to process those difficult situations? Because, you know, if somebody yells at me and they know that they are not uh, kind of, uh, uh, they are not right, <laughs> it's, it's very difficult to, to, uh, to work with the situation. So how, how, how do you do that? How do you prepare your team? So I think you, you brought up a very important subject, and that is empowering your employees. So you're right. Every ship has a front desk. It's either a guest services or what in the old days used to be called a purser's desk. And so let's let's go with an, an example. Uh, we do tours into the ports of call and they're bus tours or beach tours or all, or, you know, horseback riding, all sorts of different tours. Well, a customer could come back to us in the old days and say, listen, this customer was this a tour was not as you described. I did not enjoy this tour. I want my money back. So in the old days, if somebody had a complaint like that, we would hand them a business card and say, oh, we're very sorry. When you get home, call this number. They're going to help you. So they, the customer walks away from the desk. They're not satisfied. We didn't really help them. We just gave them a phone number. So for the rest of the cruise, they're unhappy. Nothing is right because we didn't make their we didn't make their problem go away. They don't want to have to call somebody at our office and then have to explain the problem because the people at the office are just going to contact us. They're going to ask us to do uh, a research. Okay, what happened? Why isn't this customer happy? We have to spend time. We're then going to have to get our findings back to the office. The office is now going to have to call the customer. And what's going to happen? the office is going to end up refunding some of the money to the guests. Well, what happens if if we just refunded it right away? If they came to our front desk and said, we didn't like that tour, and we've empowered that, that front desk person to immediately say, we are so sorry. We understand this part of the tour didn't wasn't happy, but we're going to refund 50% to you. We're giving you a 50% refund. Now, you can either accept it or not, but we've, we've come up with a solution right there and then. Our employees does not have to give a business card. They don't have to go into the back and find their supervisor or their manager and get permission. Within 
30 seconds, we've offered a, a 50% discount to that customer. Usually they're extremely happy. That's great. Thank you so much. And then they walk away happy. And then they know that the company is, is looking after their happiness, that if there's a problem, they're going to do something right away. So we em empower our frontline people. Let's say anything under $100, they can take care of it immediately. If it's between $100 and $500, then yes, they have to go get a manager's uh, 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 signature on it. And if it's $500, then it needs to go to the next level. But you have a policy and a procedure in place that empowers your employees to take care of these problems immediately. And that if you do, then the guests are fine for the rest of the cruise. They walk away happy when when they go home and, and somebody says, oh, how was your cruise? Did you have any problems? They'll say, well, we did have a problem, but they took care of it right away. That's the impression that we want to make. That's the memory that we're creating that if there's a problem, our employees are empowered to take care of it right away up to a certain dollar amount. Okay, so uh, I will try to reflect how I understand. <laughs> let's say I'll, I'll try to map your industry to, let's say, telco industry. So what you're doing, you're actually embedding, let's say, a refund policy or a, a fixed policy directly into your product and give the actually power for the, let's say, service team to, to use that uh, instead of like uh, making it some, I don't know, messy policy, et cetera, et cetera. It's like uh, if the product that I serve to the customer didn't work, I have a full capability, you know, to cancel it <laughs> or refund, et cetera, easily, yes. And, and it's good for your employees because they feel that they're part of the solution. They don't like to have to go back and get permission for every decision they make. They now know that they're part of the solution that they that they can take care, of. and it makes them feel good as well. That knowing that they're part of the the solution, not and not part of the problem. I mean, how many times? Let's say, let's take your industry for example. We have a problem with my cell phone or whatever, and I call customer service, and customer service says, "Oh, sorry, there's anything, nothing I can do." And I'll say, well, can I talk to a supervisor, please? And then they have to go find a supervisor. And then I have to explain the whole problem all over again. And that's one of the number one complaints from customers of why they switch companies. Because if there's a problem, they have to keep explaining that problem over and over again to multiple people until they find somebody who can actually fix the problem. So why not give your frontline people the authority and the power to fix that problem right away. Okay. Um, so uh, uh, kind of uh, building on top of, of this insight. So my next question is, so if business makes a mistake <laughs> with the customer, so do we lose that customer immediately? Or, uh, or can, uh, kind of does the single mistake means that customer is moving to your competition? Uh, or can we fix that somehow? There were studies that were done that over 70% of customers who have problems with a company, if that problem is fixed in a timely manner, they will not go to your competition if it's taken care of right away. If you don't have to explain the problem to two, three, four, five people, 
if that first person takes care of, and let's be honest, of course, businesses make mistakes. Nobody's perfect. But if you take care of that problem right away, over 70% of your customers will come back to you and they will actually sing your praises because they know that if there's another problem, you'll take care of it right away. And so I'm not sure if it was Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos said that a, a customer who complains is a great source of information for you. You should listen to your customers when they complain. And, and certainly your frontline employees, they deal with the customers more than anybody does. You have to listen to them when they tell you there's a problem. It, it's a gift they're giving you when they tell you there's a problem because most people will just walk away. They won't tell you there's a problem. That's when they go to their competition when they think that you don't care. And so, you know, if somebody's complaining about something, then that's a gift that you need to realize in order for you to fix a problem. If it's a problem with your website or your phone number or, you know, reservation system or whatever, look at these complaints as a gift rather than a problem. So, uh, so do you understand correctly? It's like uh, if I create problems to the customers and solve them really, really fast, then I am building loyal customers. <laughs> I, I don't know if you want to actually <laughs> create the problem, <laughs> but that's one way of looking at it. Yeah, I, I think you want everything to go great from the beginning. But if there's a problem, then yes, then you want to be able to take care of it right away. Let's move to other topic, which is uh, loyalty part. Because uh, I do an assumption that uh, uh, kind of a really great customer experience uh, has to pay off for the business in, in dividends as well, because you are doing a lot of uh, hard work, you know, to make customers happy, to have great memories, to build experience. So uh, uh, how does it relate to the loyalty part? And what are other expectations, let's say, from the customers? How do customers uh, understand the loyalty? How do they interpret the loyalty from their side? Well, loyalty is, um, is I don't want to say a touchy subject, but of course you're trying to build loyalty. Studies have shown that when customers keep coming back over and over again, on average, they spend more with you the second or third time. Uh, and so for instance, let's say you're having a big birthday or your wife is having a big birthday or it's an anniversary. Of course, you want to go and take her out to a dinner that's really special and really nice and probably more expensive than what you're used to paying because it's a, it's a big deal. You want to make sure uh, customers and guests are willing to pay more if they know they're going to get an exceptional experience. And that's where you build loyalty when you consistently deliver that incredible experience. People are willing to pay more money for it. So, you know, people don't go to Disney World all the time. But when there's family and there's a birthday and there's a big sell, they'll, they'll spend the money because they know they're going to get a great experience. Same thing with a really nice restaurant. And that's where you build loyalty because every time, let's say it's only once or twice a year, you have that special occasion. But that next special occasion, you're going to go back to that restaurant because you know you they had you know top quality beef and the service was incredible and they have a really nice wine list and uh, and they came out with a special dessert just for you at the end. 
They made you feel special for your special occasion. That's where you start to build the loyalty. And the end goal is for your customers to be singing your praises so that when your neighbor says, oh, I got a big birthday coming up. Do you know of a good restaurant I can go to? You're going to say, I've got the perfect restaurant for you to go to because you've had such a great experience. Uh, and your family, your friends, your neighbors, they want to get recommendations from people that they know, that they trust. So if, if it's coming from somebody they know, then it's more likely than they're going to go to that restaurant as well. And that's where loyalty comes in is building that trust uh, and, and knowing that you're going to get a consistently superior product. So uh, if, we, if we would build on, to, on, on top of that, is, is loyalty and experience purely about the product or is it more about the people who deliver that product? So I have one anecdotal uh, kind of uh, situation. So for example, my dad, does not change his mobile carrier because uh, he knows a sales agent <laughs> and he loves to talk with a sales agent. You know, <laughs> every uh, like uh, two years they have a call <laughs> they uh, and then they prolong the contract and then everything goes well. So, uh, but this is an, a more anecdotal situation. You know, I cannot prove this with numbers. So uh, how, how do you see it from your perspective? Um, well, we have some guests who will book a cruise just because they know certain crew members are on that ship at that time. They've gotten fond of a waiter or even a bar waiter or, or a cruise director or a certain entertainer. They will book a cruise because they know that specific person is going to be on that ship. And that says everything you need to know about how important your employees are with building relationships. Perfect example with your father. He won't go to another carrier because he has a relationship with that sales agent. And so that's where building relationships, we say that cruise ships are all about relationships. I mean, any business is all about building relationships. Get to know people's names, get to know their wives' names, get to know you know, their children is playing on the soccer team and they have a big game this week. Anything you can do to build a relationship with your customers will keep that relationship and will keep that customer coming back to you over and over again. It's all about relationships. So uh, the key question is, how do you build the team that can build the relationships, you know? <laughs> well, so what, what is your secret? It starts at the top. You have to have the owner, the president, the founder, whoever's at the very top of the chain, it starts with them. They have to, and, and it filters down. Uh, training is extremely important. Training is not just a one-time thing where you get an hour of training when you join a company and then that's it for the rest of your time there. Training is continuous. Every time we sign on a ship after a vacation, we have to go through certain types of training safety, security, hospitality, uh, our core values. We go over every single time we sign on a ship. So training is extremely important. You need to bring in trainers or coaches or have an in-house HR team that really um, uh, cares about 
and knows how important training is. It's so important to continuous training is very important to keeping the, the level of, of consistency of the product that you deliver. Does it start from the hiring part? Like, uh, you know, when you need to show a lot of empathy for your clients, build the relationship, etc., and even kind of uh, go through all those stressful situations, you know, when client is really unhappy, is shouting you on you and so on, and you still need to, you know, find this win-win situation. <laughs> so so do you, uh, uh, are these people born or can you actually train them with that extensive training, as you said. So we have a saying in the cruise industry that is hire for attitude, train for skill. So attitude is the most important thing that you need to do and, and to clarify when you're in the hiring process. Attitude is so important. I can train somebody to be a waiter in a dining room or to clean a cabin. I can train them. But to have the right attitude where they're friendly and, and empathetic and compassionate and good listeners, we call these soft skills. A lot of people are born with those skills, but you can also train them as well for those types of skills within the hospitality industry. Now, in the telecom industry, yes, you need people who technically know what they're doing, uh, but attitude is also extremely important with the people even if they never come in contact with your actual customers they're the ones that are fixing the problems you know we have it people on board we have technicians on board we have engineers we don't hire them for their sparkling personality we hire them for their technical knowledge but we also need to train them that when they're out in public they have to be dressed properly they have to have a smile on their face. And so in most positions, certainly in hospitality, you hire for attitude and you train for skill. Okay, so, th so there's uh, some uh, kind of uh, promise there <laughs> that, that you can still kind of uh, um, uh, build that uh, uh, culture, yes? Oh, absolutely, and it's all about culture. And it's taking care of your employees. And, and on a cruise ship, it's so much more difficult because, again, they, we have them there for, you know, four or five, six, eight months at a time. They're away from their family. They're away from their kids. Uh, and so we have to have a culture on board that people look forward to waking up in the morning and they look forward to going to work and they look forward to having these conversations with our guests. Mm -hmm. uh, again, it's all part of the hiring process where you hire for attitude. And that's really a kind of inspiring part for me. Um, uh, now I would like to switch the topic a, a bit to other parts. Um, uh, I heard you communicating a lot about um, kind of safety uh, on board, etc. You know, kind of, as you said, <laughs> you have 8,000 people on a metal boat. <laughs> Uh, and things go wrong, yes, and you really need to manage the crisis situations, communicate during those crisis situations, uh, uh, and so on. In telco industry, we also need to do some uh, cri uh, crisis type of uh, situations, but we usually don't deal <laughs> with uh, such huge uh, cha challenges. But what could we learn from you uh, uh, 
uh, how could we prepare for the situations when things go sideways? So, for example, in telco, uh, we can uh, expose customer information. For example, we can leak customer data and obviously big impact um, and so on. How would you recommend to prepare for those type of situations when things go really wrong? Well, you're talking about uh, some situations that I'll be honest that we we don't normally deal with, such as you know data leaks and things like that. But I can give you an example where something goes sideways and we have to deal. You know, in addition to missing a port of call, um, which which we deal with. So weddings are very big business on board cruise ships, and there's two really different types of weddings: a wedding that happens on board the ship, where it's maybe the first day of the cruise. Family, friends come on board, they get married by a local preacher or, or, or pastor, and then the guests go home and then the couple will go on the cruise on their honeymoon. That's one type of wedding. The other type of wedding is what we call a destination wedding. They plan it on the island or one of the islands. Let's use the Caribbean as an example. Grand Cayman, St. Thomas, beautiful beaches, sunrise. They're standing on the beach and it's a beautiful wedding. The only problem is some of these weddings have been booked during hurricane season. And so, of course, you know what happens. The, the couple is looking at the, the weather and they see a week out that, oh, there's a hurricane coming towards that island. Well, a cruise ship is never going to go towards that island where there's a hurricane. They're going to avoid it. They're going to go someplace else. We talked about it earlier. So we have a couple on board our ship who are planning on being married we have to now go and tell them we're not going to that island. It's too dangerous. And unfortunately, you're not getting married because the paperwork that they've done is only good for that island because there's different governments within the Caribbean. The paperwork for that wedding was only good on Grand Cayman, as an example. And so we go somewhere else. We may go to Eastern Caribbean. They can't get married on any other island because they haven't done the paperwork for it. So now we're dealing with a very unhappy couple. And so what do we do? How do we deal with that crisis? To us, that's a crisis on board. We have a very upset bride who's been planning this wedding for months or even years. And now she, we have to tell her she's not getting married. So how do we deal with that? Well, again, we deal with, with communication, with respect, and certainly with empathy we send them to a nice romantic dinner. We send them to a couple's massage. Um, there was one couple that was very disappointed, but they said, what we really are going to miss is the first dance that we do with each other once we become husband and wife. And so we arrange for them to have a first dance right in the middle of the ship. We announced it to everybody. The whole ship knew that this couple wasn't getting married. They came out, they got dressed up in their wedding gown and their tuxedo, and the whole ship was there to celebrate them as a couple. And so while they were disappointed that they didn't get married, they were happy with us for doing going out of our way to make them feel at least valued, to show empathy. And so that's, you know, my point of all of this crisis, what happens in a crisis is, Again, empathy and compassion is so important. Put yourself in your customer's shoes. What will happen uh, if, if your wedding is canceled? How are you going to, you know, we could say, sorry, not our fault. We have nothing to do with the weather. You're out of luck. 
and they would feel miserable. Or we can do what we did do, which was show empathy and compassion and at least try to make it as as uh, less stressful as possible. I hope that makes sense. Uh, yeah, it makes perfect sense. You know, um, uh, I was wondering, like, uh, do you prepare for those type of situations uh, somehow? Or is it like uh, you improvise uh, uh, kind of with the team? How does this process uh, uh, work? It really depends on what the situation is for something like a missed wedding that doesn't happen very often. But if it's something like a, a bad weather day where we have a, where we can't go to a, a port, we prepare for that in advance because it's happened. It happens every year. It happens every season that we can't get into a port. Missing a wedding is not something that happens, you know, blowing an engine We've had right in the middle of the ocean where our, we have a blown engine and we limp along. And it uh, just happened recently this past summer. Uh, we had to cancel an Alaskan cruise. We had people on board the ship. They had already there. They're ready to start their cruise. And the captain comes out over the, the PA system, the public address system, and says, oh, sorry, our cruise is canceled now because one of our engines is broken and we can't get to where we're supposed to go. That's a crisis. Now we have to get everybody home. They've flown to Alaska. They've been looking forward to this cruise. Now we have to tell them there is no cruise and we have to fly you home. So in that situation, we refund all of their money. We give them a free cruise in the future. So not only are they getting their money back for this cruise, for their inconvenience, because we know how disappointed they are. People have saved all their lives for an Alaskan cruise. So again, we put ourselves in their situation. We're saying, okay, this is terrible, but we're going to refund your money and we're going to pay for your next cruise anywhere in the world. And so that takes a little bit of the sting away, knowing that we're going to pay for their cruise. We're paying to get them home. Um, and, 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 you know, they can use the ship. We open up the internet. It's free internet for everybody. We open up the bars for the time they're on board. It's an open bar. And so we try to make it um, as, uh, as comfortable as possible within the situation, whatever the situation may be. Okay. I, I think uh, we are getting ready to wrap up. And uh, I have a, a couple of last questions for you. <laughs> sure. So, uh, so, over 40 years, it's a beautiful career. <laughs> what, what would you say was your proudest moment um, in that uh, journey? Well, personally, my proudest moment is, you know, when I became cruise director, it's not an easy position to get. Once people are in that position, they stay there for a long time. And so for me, getting the position at the time, it was the largest cruise ship in the world. Uh, it, that was a, a very proud moment to come over the bridge in Miami and see the ship there and think that I'm the cruise director on board. But that was a long time ago. But my proudest moments now is when a guest will come up to me and say, we haven't had a vacation in 20 years we had a problem with our home or our kids or this was happening and we couldn't get away. And this was the most fantastic vacation we've ever had for people to come up to me 
And everybody has stories. We all have a story to tell. We've all been through bad times. And we all have stories that nobody knows anything about. So I understand our guests have gone through things that I just can't imagine. Um, you know, children or, 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 or deaths in the family or losing a spouse. And this is their first vacation since they have it for them to come up to me and, and say that their vacation has helped them in their life. Just, it's just an incredible moment for me. And we get rated every week. We get common cards every week. We get surveys every week. So just to hear that a guest, that the work that we did behind the scenes made our guests really happy is just such a wonderful experience for us and all crew members to, to hear that people have had such an incredible time with us. I hope that's I not too much of a cop out of an answer there. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's, I'm uh, very inspired that, you know, after 40 years of career, you're still very proud of the uh, very uh, small things, you know, which are. Oh, very much so. Very much. <laughs> and, uh, and of course, they are, you know, uh, horror stories are also very interesting. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I don't know. Do you, could you share some, I don't know, failure story that you can now laugh at, but at that point of time, it, it wasn't, uh, let's say, uh, a very uh, convenient part? <laughs> I don't know if there's specifically, I mean, we try new things on board and sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. We might try a new activity. We might try a new theme night and nobody shows up. But you have to keep trying. You have to keep trying and you have to have failure. There's nothing wrong with failure. It's, you know, everybody gets knocked down to the ground. You've heard the expression. It's how many times you get back up again. And so everybody deals with failure. I mean, in our personal lives, in our professional lives, we all deal with failure. I don't really have a specific incident that happened. I mean, because we keep trying certain things. Um, I, for me, I get upset if I say something and it gets taken the wrong way. You know, communication is so important. I may say something and meaning it in a funny way and somebody takes it in the exact opposite way. That's when I get upset where I think I've failed because I have not communicated properly or I thought I was telling a joke and we're not speaking the same language. I mean, uh, even with you and me, we have we have people on board 70 different countries, 70 different nationalities, different ways to communicate. So personally, I, if I know I've uh, hurt somebody or upset just because of communication and language problems, I have so much respect for people all over the world who speak more than one language. You know, we here in the United States, we think the whole world revolves around English and it doesn't. Uh, and, you know, I've worked with some people who speak four or five, six different languages, which is incredible to us. And so there's bound to be miscommunication. And so that's when I get upset with myself for not communicating properly. But Lord knows we've all had failures and it's just really how you pick yourself back up. You admit a mistake. You move on. You try to make it right. If you have to apologize for it, then you apologize for it. But we all make mistakes. And it's how you recover from those mistakes determines whether those guests will come back 
because nobody's perfect. I mean, and everybody makes mistakes. Uh, I, I think I couldn't tell better, you know. <laughs> so, uh, so Paul, uh, we we always have a last question for our uh, guests to uh, to make a book recommendation about uh, you know their field. But in this case, uh, we will make an exception and we will ask you to recommend two books. <laughs> <laughs> really? And, uh, yeah. Wow. I, 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 uh, uh, I know, Paul, you are a really great writer. I have uh, uh, read your, uh, both of your books. Could you, uh, uh, could you tell, uh, basically, uh, a bit about them? Because I would sure. definitely... Well, first of all, thank you. Thank you for asking. I really appreciate that. Um, people say you must have so many crazy stories on board. You should write a book. And everybody, every crew member says, yes, one of these days I'm going to write a book. One of these days. And so uh, we had a pandemic where the cruise industry closed down for a couple of years. So I wrote my first book um, before the pandemic, 2017. It's called Repeat Business Inc., The Business of Staying in Business. And it's what every business can do today to keep customers coming back tomorrow. And it's all about repeat business. It's about loyalty. You know, customer uh, businesses will spend a lot of money getting new customers, but then they neglect the customers they already have. And so this is 50 tips and strategies that businesses can do today to keep their customers coming back tomorrow. So that's an easy, quick read. And then the book I wrote during the pandemic is all the crazy stories that happen on board and what land-based businesses can learn from them. And it's called, You Can't Make This Ship Up. And it's crazy things that happen and how we deal with them. Some of the stories we talked about today, you know, hurricanes and things like that and missed weddings and what land-based businesses can learn from us who live with our customers and that we live with our coworkers. Um, and we haven't even gotten into some of the stories on the, you know, about a naked cruise. You know, I was a cruise director on board a ship that was clothing optional. So it, we had over 2000 naked people on board the ship. So that's for another that's for another podcast. We can tell about uh, the naked clothing optional cruise. There's all sorts of cruises out there for every single lifestyle. You'd be amazed from music cruises to sports cruises to naked cruises. So uh, that book came out in uh, 2021. Uh, and again, they're all available at my website. Uh, they're on Amazon. I know you're in Lithuania. So uh, I, whether you even Amazon, you have a version of Amazon uh, over there, I don't even know. But uh, Amazon um, Kindle also, work, works very well. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, so, um, and I just have my website I want to let people know about. It's called paulrudderspeaks.com uh, and Rudder is R-U-T-T-E-R. So paulrudderspeaks.com, they can, I have blogs there. I do keynotes and uh, trainings on there as well. So um, I appreciate you asking about the, the two different books I've written. I appreciate that. Uh, as I said, I, I read those books. Uh, uh, they are full of great insights, so I, I definitely re recommend uh, them. And we will put uh, the links in our show notes. So, so thank Excellent. you, Paul. Thank, uh, you. thank you for taking your time. I appreciate it, and thank you. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Thank you.
So th- thank you, Paul. Uh, uh, it was a really good podcast. <laughs> it's a uh, kind of uh, uh, it's the different industry. Uh, there are a lot of challenges to uh, uh, kind of sink uh, the mindset in. But uh, yeah, thank you a lot for sharing your experience. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to CVM Stories. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review. You can also ask us a question about a particular customer value management challenge you have at work. We will happily ask our experts to tackle your challenge in a future episode. 